Hello and welcome to another episode of Unboxing Women, where we explore why women in business are often called such a bitch. We're here for some casual conversation about the gender gap in the music industry, and we also broaden our view to the underlying aspects of modern society in general. My name is Dana Rex, and I'm an independent recording artist, singer, and songwriter based in Belgium. And with me is my friend Micah Rose, who is also an independent artist, singer, songwriter, and based in Germany. This is a bi-weekly live stream on YouTube, and you can also listen to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Today, we have Kate O'Donnell with us, who is Artistic Director at TransCreative UK, a transgender-led theatre company aiming to increase the visibility and representation of transgender people in the arts. She is a regular speaker on arts and gender panels, and Kate herself is a transgender woman who transitioned in 2003. Um, Kate, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, please tell us a bit more about TransCreative and what you are achieving there. Yeah, hello. It's lovely to be here. Um, so TransCreative. TransCreative came about, um, I came back to performing because I felt like there was very little trans art that I could see, even just, five, we're talking five or six years ago. And I felt like I hadn't performed for a long time. And when I turned 50, uh, I thought it's time to, if not now, then when? So I thought maybe it, maybe I'm meant to be putting myself on stage and telling my story. So it originally started off by um, doing some autobiographical shows. And after I'd kind of got a bit of a platform, I thought, okay, so I've got this platform now, but, but we, need, we just need to saturate the arts with more trans work. I believe there's more trans artists. And I really believe if you can't see yourself, you can't be yourself. So I thought I really need to create a um, platform. And I decided to create a trans arts organization in the north of England, in Manchester, and just let you know, no one's going to bang on your door and say, hi, why don't you do this? It's very much you have to build it and hope that people will come. Yeah, yeah. And the last, the last four or five years, we've proved that trans art doesn't only happen in London. It happens in the north of England. We've given platform to hundreds of trans artists. We have a festival called Trans Vegas, which is very reverent and a lot of fun. And also we've started to create our trans socials online. So we've kind of realized that people, trans people don't just want to turn up to an event. They need kind of, our community needs nurturing and a space to get together and socialize and, and um, get to know each other. So we've kind of created these trans social clubs, which during lockdown have been amazing. But yes, it's, um, it's quite tiring because we're a tiny team, but it's feeling important. And I think slowly trans creative are being seen as leaders and with people are approaching us to do projects. So we're splitting the work. I feel like slowly it's not just down to me and my administrator, you know, so that was the plan. And also it means I can go over and be an artist because I'm still an artist, but I've kind of put some of that on hold to create a space for trans people. So it's balancing those two things. Right. So uh, what do you mean when you say uh, trans socials? How can I envision that? Um... Yeah, they were originally, they were originally um, live spaces. So originally we, we, we wanted to have a space for trans people to come together um, to go and see shows, but together. So we would maybe meet people um, at the bus stop or at the tram station. We would get together, have a drink first. People had a social element to go and see a show. So it's also trans people feeling confident together. 
And so when it was live, we would get quite cheap tickets from theatre. We would you know, lag a load of cheap tickets from theatres, invite <laughs> people. So they were just beginning and they were really small and really cute. And it was really intimate. And then suddenly the trans socials, we were like, during lockdown, how can we transport that? So we would do live uh, trans film nights where people could eat their dinner together and they wouldn't even have to leave their home and we'd watch trans films, we'd have a discussion, we'd cry, we'd laugh. And they've slowly built up now. We've done probably 10 now, so one a month. And they've become quite sophisticated and they've also become a space for open mic elements now. So every trans social there is a handover. So it, it's all well and good saying we need to make more platforms. Sometimes you just need to hand over the mic. Yeah. So I'm not very present during those trans socials. Other people host them, curate them, uh, are in the open mics. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it's been a it's a really sustainable element to trans creative. Mm. Yeah, that must be lovely because it's it's also it's kind of you've created the space and now people are using that space in the way they want to, and um, that's always a really nice thing because yes. like. It's, yeah. you don't know what all would happen when you started it no. so yeah and it's very young it's very non-binary it's quite multicultural it's uh it's kind of lots of things i'm not so it's more representative you know than an older white trans person i think it's good it's broader a lot of trans masculine uh i get excited i like to tune in you know i i liaise with them but then i turn up and i'm like wow you know it's uh yeah. yeah. Now I was wondering no, I you was were wondering. you were saying trans uh, films. Um, yeah. My parents were big fans of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I've been watching that movie since, like, I was about five. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> much too young to watch the movie. Uh, when, when you're that young, you don't understand the sexual undertone anyway, and it's you know it was very much about the singing and the dancing that attracted me. But when I got older and kept watching it, I came to understand the deeper issues about gender and mm. and sexuality and what it means to certain groups of people. I I want to know is the Rocky Horror Show just. You know, for our listeners who, who might not be aware, the Rocky Horror Show came out in 1975. Okay, so is this something that helped the transgender community or was it harmful, you think? I would probably say more harm than good. Oh, really? I think so, from where I'm sitting. Because for me, whenever I think of that, I think of cisgendered people <clears throat> dressing up in fishnet. Uh, yes, and okay, I see, yeah. And parading <laughs> around. And maybe that's the perception of trans people, trans women especially. So I think it could perpetuate that. I mean it's great and it's a lot of fun. But I don't I don't think it's I mean we do these events called um uh trans creative at the movies where we ask trans people to choose a film from their childhood that spoke to their younger trans self. And often they are films like Big by Tom Hanks or um The Colour Purple. Or Mind's Gypsy, the film Gypsy about Gypsy Rosalie, about a stripper, just spoke to me as a child. I don't know why. Um, and, uh, and I've never had, um, we've had Oliver, the musical. We've had lots of musicals, actually, The Muppets. Um, but never had the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I, don't, I think it's probably, it, because it had transsexual in it, it had that element to it. But I never felt like, I never felt like that character was trans. No, it, it's more Can like a cross-dresser, basically. Yeah, maybe this cross-dressing. But also cross-dressing is, 
I would say part of the spectrum. Like we're all in a gender spectrum and I think cross-dressing is probably in there and it's probably, I'm very interested in cross-dressing and we don't, we don't talk about that much in our trans community, but um, I think it can definitely be like a stepping stone. Um, who knows? It'd be so great to make the Rocky Horror Picture Show and that character to be uh, stepped into their, you know, their gender more, you know, rather than being frivolous. I wonder, you know, I wonder if there's something in that. Yeah. I, I mean, it kind of um, goes along with, um, it ties into, I, I don't know how long ago this was, but um, there were a load of articles about um, when you were offered a role and on the, was it the West yes. End? Yes. Yes. And it was um, not a transgender role, just a female role, yeah. which is yeah. great. Um, yeah. Um, and then there was actually a transgender role for a male transgender person. So but female, was there still, was a character. Oh, it was female, was a, yes. So there was exactly. a trans character called mm. Pussy mm -hmm. who um, was trans and from Northern Ireland. So it was, mm. um, it was called uh, Breakfast and Pluto. Mm. And, uh, and it was quite an interesting project. It was a really amazing film that was done by Neil Jordan and mm. definitely has a lot of gender politics and um, uh, um, racial, uh, not racial, national politics. Um, yeah. And then, so yeah, I was really excited because it was a big deal. It was going to premiere in Galway. I'd just done the musical Gypsy, so I'd never done a musical before. It's always good to start doing musicals in your 50s. Can I just say to people <laughs> out there, never say never. So I was um, one of the strippers in Gypsy, so I got to sing the brilliant song, You've Got to Have a Gimmick. And um, I loved it. And then I think word got round and I did a self-tape and I got up a part of the mother of Pussy, mm -hmm. yeah. the adopted mother of Pussy. And I was really excited. I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm a trans performer playing a cisgendered mother and I get to be vile. I'm a vile, not, a, not at all nice mother. I get to be that to a trans character. And that's so dynamic, I think. And I think I yeah. should be... For a trans person to get to be horrible on stage with a trans person, it just felt really exciting. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I, and I think you could have sold the show on that. I really feel like you could have yeah, reduced it. Would have, it would have been really interesting because yeah. you don't see two trans people together. You don't see it in that way before. So, and then I found out that they'd cast the female trans role to, they'd given the part to a cisgendered man. Yeah, and I had to leave the show, and I got more press for not being in the show than I probably would have done for being in the show. For being in so, the show, but it was really disappointing, and really, I just think it makes people look really out of touch, and really like you haven't thought about it, and mm. where have you been, you know? And this thing of um, you know you're such a bitch, you know. I I feel like put in that role, like it got put on me to have to be the one that goes, I'm not going to be in your show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Rather yeah. than the rather than the company who are full of cisgendered white men, can I just say, um, they took no responsibility. So it kind of came down to me, and then it was I went to the press, and then that makes me a bitch. Um, you know, I decided to. I had I had a great relationship with the company actually, and they really respected what I did. But uh, you know, having to pull people up and call people out. I've had to defend that in so many ways. I mean, of course, the trans community were just, they couldn't believe I'd given up a West End role, really. And they really felt that. They understood it, but they also knew, knew the, 
the pain of that because trans yeah. people do not get roles in the West End very often. Yeah. And it was yeah. it could have been quite a game changer, really, for my career. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you don't do it lightly. But I, I, don't, I felt like I was maybe, like, like they wanted to get me on um, with Piers Morgan. You know, that kind of thing. Immediately they were like, brilliant, gladiatorial, throw you in the ring, go and fight it out now. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, why is no one getting the director in the ring? or the theatre company in the ring, or the people who booked the show, or the people who created it. It very much came down on me (laughs) to be the spokesperson, Mm -hmm. to defend myself, to clarify. Like it was my job to sort out transphobia in the arts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was was reading the articles, and um, from just my perspective, I was like, I completely understand this. Like, I completely understand why you had to give up the role or you felt like you had to give up the role. Mm. And um, so I do think the articles do a good job of bringing that across. Yeah. But also what struck me was just like the, the headlines always, a transgender woman. And I'm just like... Yeah, it catches yeah. people's eyes, but that's not what the article is about. Um, yeah. So it was it was very interesting to see that kind of... Um, yeah, and you could have had a different headline. You could have had the West yeah. End lets down trans actors again. <laughs> yeah. It could have been really yeah. like, here we go again. Like, like exactly. it's never been done before. It's like mm. there is such a long history in the entertainment industry of how trans people's stories have been taken and... You know, we, we earn those stories. You know, we, we spent, you know, we've lived those stories. They're based on our lives and our sweat and blood and tears. And I think some people think, oh, we can just cream that off and put it on an episode of Coronation Street or just, mm. ooh, yeah. and we'll not employ a trans actor, we'll not employ a trans writer, not employ a trans technician. You know, there's no, there's no fueling it back to the trans community, you know, and I, mm. I feel like that's the most disappointing. It's like, I always say to trans um, artists or people, you know, trans activists or whatever, they want us charge double. Like, if they're coming to you, it's because we're really popular or interesting or whatever it is. We're, 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 um, yeah, well, if you hit a chord, then uh, use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just know your power. That actually, like, I get paid to be trans. I always say that to people. I get paid mm. to be trans. Yeah. And that, that is something people should remember. You know, I love it when I go and work with trans artists and their agent gets involved. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this is going to be hardcore. You know, we're going to have to pay a lot of money for this person. But I'm like, wow, I can learn from that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we should yeah. be represented and we should be valued, I think. But getting that across, okay. oh, my God, you know, that feels like we should be grateful. They think you should be lucky. You mm-hmm. get the scraps. You've got a part. It's a bit like how black performers were treated, how gay performers. You know, there's a long line. We come, yeah. we, we're very much in the behind a lot of minority groups who've mm-hmm. had exactly the same experience. You know, I look very closely to how black, um, what black representation was like in film, television and theatre, you know, right. and, and gay representation. And, and trans is sadly just following exactly the same path. So, like, would you say that it is, probably, but would you say that it is still very hard for performers who are trans to be seen as performers first and then as trans second? Because technically that's the way it should be. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I deliberately decided to be very visible. And I mm-hmm. I grew up 20 years ago. You know, you mentioned I transitioned to me, you know, 18, 19 years ago. And I think the, the climate was very, very different then. Mm-hmm. People lived in stealth. And the only advice you were given is to try and not look trans. So people didn't know. I was told to um, burn photographs, move away from where I lived, don't look back. You know, there were all that there was kind of advice that I was given. Mm-hmm. And um, I did the opposite. I stayed put. I yeah. didn't burn any of my photos. I put my photos from my past burn in shows. Photos, wow. You know, I, I decided to really, uh, I'm going to get in there first. And I just thought, well, why, why should I separate myself off? I don't believe I transitioned. Hmm. I, you know, I made a show called Big Girl's Blouse, which very much talks about me being a trans child when no mm-hmm. one knew what trans was. I think, yeah. I think there's yeah. a, I was trans, you know, and people didn't know what that was, but I was definitely trans. Mm. as I grew I always had big trans you know and I well, kind of failed a well, bit you know few along the way but I think if I'll never fail at being trans you know that's the that's my one certainty well yeah that's the whole yeah. thing you you were you know you felt like you were born in the wrong body so that's like your whole life so it doesn't only start when you actually do the transition or decide this I, I guess it's yeah. just it's just and not even the wrong body I think the wrong body is another narrative the, the wrong, wrong body, body That's like no, this my body is fine. Okay, my I see. body is fine. I think I think when we're going into wrong body territory, sometimes I think it can be tricky that people think there's something wrong with us, and then we're othered and different. And usually that refers to our genitals. You yes. know, usually it's like a genital conversation, and yeah, which is I think so crazy. It's it's a very I mean it's definitely one I had on my list you know difficult conversation mm-hmm. you know it's definitely one when I thought wow and it's the one where you would come across sounding like a bitch because people feel like they have this fascination with your genitals you know when you when they find out you're trans within minutes they mm-hmm. think they can ask you literally it's not even a minute I mean I was on a dating site once and the first question somebody asked is do you have a clitoris. Right. And I was like, "Wow, Tell you me. could buy a girl a drink." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you could buy a girl a drink <laughs> before you ask her about her clitoris. <laughs> and then, and then, and you know, you go through a few responses to that, and you know, one of them is like, "Oh, we're talking about genitals. Great, let's talk about your genitals." And then you are seen as some weird bitch. <laughs> You know, it's like, wow. So if I did the same as you, if you walked into, and I, I have had this done, I've literally done a show. Say I've done one of my shows where I pretty much, you you get to know a lot about me and I would hope you are pretty much up to speed. And when you come off stage and the audience really enjoyed it, there were hundreds of people, you felt like everyone got it. You literally come off stage and people say, what have you had done? And you're like, okay, this is never going to go away. It's a bit like those, um, you know, you hear about people, black people who train as lawyers or barristers. They go into the courtroom and then somebody thinks they're a cleaner. You know, yeah. and you think, yeah. okay, I've got this around me. So the next show I made, I had a conversation with my vagina. <laughs> I thought maybe, maybe this will help, you know. So I lit it up in a, a theater, like a little mini theater, the curtains open. <laughs> I have a conversation with my Transgina, uh, I came off that. A member of my family, a member of my family said, "Was was that real?" They thought I had some prosthetic 
I was like, there is no hope. Wow. There is no hope. So it's yeah. like it's like to, it's like you can get tired of those conversations, and you can just be they're awkward and they're embarrassing. And I think yeah. I'm okay because I'm a sassy fifty year old trans, you know, been there, done it. I think God oh, to be like a thirteen, fourteen year old, and you're talking about being trans, or you're a teenager, or you're young, or you're you're quiet and shy. Imagine the crushingness of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, to have somebody talk about your genitals. I mean, we know it's rude to do that, but something happens when you're trans that it's like, well, it's like open, open. It's like, oh, yeah, we can talk about it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. I, I saw this and I was like, I don't get this. <laughs> this is so rude. Well, but actually, so I get it. I do so get it. Rude. I get it. I get it because I want to know about trans. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. So I am sometimes sitting there opposite a trans person, and I am totally wondering what's going on but i don't say it exactly, i don't think it's appropriate it. you, i have you i have, have a curiosity filter. but yeah yes. yeah yeah well i i had a, a friend once who had a boob job done uh so this is a female person who just did not have any boobs and she wanted some so she she had them uh, she she had a boob job done and well obviously you know she she's like she's all healed and then she comes you know to to a thing with the friends that we're doing and well she starts showing them off because this is you know her pride now yeah. and yeah. yeah obviously you know you go and you touch and you know but that's because we're friends it's not some stranger in the street no, that she no. says i did a boob job and you know oh touch him you can touch him now and look and feel and you know obviously we asked about the um the operation and did it hurt and what did they do exactly and what's inside it uh, you know because you you don't really these things are not transparent and you just want to no. know um yeah I, and i think it's moving it on i think it's then you, what you, you if you're having a bad day you come for them but if you're kind of feeling a bit more generous you might introduce the concept that gender lives here mm-hmm. in your head and not in your pants yes. and then then it's like a can of worms some people go oh, okay and you know they they kind of think oh, i'm going to go and process that or think about it other people they want to challenge that they think as a cisgendered person who've had no trans experience they are the experts so suddenly they would like to spend a lot of time telling you a trans person who has been trans all their life and had lots of queer trans experiences, they are going to tell you about what being trans is <laughs> and yeah. what a man and a woman is and what a non-binary person is and how mm-hmm. terrible it is or how brilliant it is. And you're like, wow, I've literally yeah. now got to sit here and hear about your version of being trans. Okay. <laughs> Is that actually that sounds it sounds a lot like mansplaining? So I've come totally. a lot, yes. But is there a term for it? For because transplaining women will this transplaining. I don't know. I don't know what it we is. Can make just, it up if there's not just, a term. Yeah, it's just very it's just very, you yeah. know, that thing of it's like people would say to me, you'd they'd find out. The worst thing was because when I wasn't out, the brilliant thing about creating a trans arts company and making performances, I am really out, 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 out. And I have bright hair and big, I am out, do you know what I mean? And I'm much better out than in, as you can imagine. Imagine me being in, it just does not work. I am an out person. So the more out I am, it gives me a power and it gives me a strength. But I think, I think it's when you're, when you're in, it's just, this, when I was in, it was very difficult because I was sitting on it. 
I would have to be at the mercy of their opinions. Like, well, I don't mind. You know that thing of, oh, but I'm okay with that. It's like, mm. well, are you? Mm. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you're okay with me being trans. It's a bit like you're waiting for approval. And mm, I think yeah. that's the tricky bit. And that reminded me of being gay. I was, I was a gay man. You know, I came out in 1981 and there's just been a program on television called It's a Sin set in 1981. It was very difficult to be a gay person in 1981. HIV, AIDS was yeah. kind of being yeah. blamed. We were being blamed for that. There was so much prejudice. We were very vulnerable. So I've had a lot of experience of kind of having to come out. And you, it was very interesting during that program. There was a whole point where they were like, one of the mothers, the mothers were talking, and they were like, I never knew my son was gay. And the other mother went, well, where were you? Why didn't you know? Mm. And I suddenly thought, wow, that is so, because the emphasis, if you're other, the emphasis is on you to sort it out and correct mm. people or challenge people or be silent or go home and cry and or be mm. fearful or lose your job. It's kind of on you. And I thought, wow, it's so interesting to say to people, what 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 have you done to help a trans person today or what 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 have you done as a family member why is it why is that family member more vulnerable because they're trans mm -hmm. why aren't they protected why are you making them more vulnerable what have yeah. you done to protect your child or your brother or your sister or your mother or your father i think it's a really that feels quite new still that we're trans people are expecting to be treated in a better way you know, and that's going to challenge people, I think, that we're going to, I mean, I've been doing it with venues, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm a trans artist, promoter, so sometimes I've walked into venues where they haven't put our posters up, they haven't prioritised that, or they've oh. booked us at a really terrible time, or when they program us, they say, oh, you can be on the last day of the long festival when everyone's going home, Yeah. Uh, yeah. and I've started to really kick off. But do you re do you think yes. that's because of that it's transgender? I mean, I uh, I've had yes, that as a I as do. a female artist. So maybe it's because yeah. <laughs> you know we're 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 in it together. Yeah, um, yeah, because we're say, not white males. Say, I would say it's another leather. It's another intersectional aspect to being uh, a woman. I think it adds another it adds another layer that maybe they're more familiar with wherever they place cisgendered, you know, women artists. There's definitely a history. You know, we definitely fall in line with that history. Well, um, yeah, I mean, talking about white male privilege, is there anything you think men should realize about their position that um, we as, you know, what do you call it? You call it cisgender females? So women who are born yeah, women? Not trans. So not women trans. who aren't trans. Okay, so... I like to put trans first. It's like... It's a bit like the other ones the others. So I like you two are not trans, I'm afraid. <laughs> I am. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm not second. You know, it's that whole idea. I like to say that sadly you're not trans. Yeah. So you're the right. you're the cis. Oh, um, I know. That's that's great because that actually I got the prize. Do with the it, it, but it does have a lot to do with like your your uh, the way your mind works, doesn't it? Like uh, as in like people's mind, um, because if you put something, if you prioritize something in speech alone, yeah. it does make a lot of difference. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 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 well, we can quite easily things. become people go. You know, they were just female, and that the other person was trans. You know, we yeah. said it here today actually on mm. this podcast. Like they were they were female. It's like no, no, actually. That, that assumes that there's anotherness to that. And mm, I think yeah. we need to just kind of broaden that out. But, 
but um, what were we talking about? We were talking about privilege. Now, I'm very interested in male privilege. I think, uh, I mean, I've got so much to say because I was born, I lived as a man, so I have male privilege. And I was a white man, so I lived on this planet as a white, seen as a cisgendered man. You know, I lived lived as a a white man. So I have privilege, and I don't think I realized how much privilege I had until I transitioned. Mm-hmm. It's literally from day one, it just disappeared. You and could feel it. You feel it disappearing. You could feel that really? slipping away. Yeah, you could feel your privilege was, was disappearing. And some of the privilege, I think that people don't realize is white cisgender men have the privilege to be nice because nobody's really challenging you. Yeah. You know, yeah. the minute I found I was a lot nicer when I was living as a, as a man. The minute you start living as a woman, you're dealing with all the microaggressions. You're, you're such a bitch. <laughs> exactly. You're such a bitch. I mean, I, I literally did a job where I was like the perfect, you know, those um, controlled tests where I did exactly the same job as a man and then yes. exactly the same job as a woman. So I was a trainer for a charity. And I've done that job for a few years. I, I've heard this before. I've heard you talk about this in a podcast. But what do you mean yeah. with trainer? Because I think immediately ah, like a, like a fitness teacher. trainer. No, no, like a teacher. Like a, a teacher. Okay. A, a workshop leader. So I was, okay. I led, I, I stood in front of a class and I had to run um, workshops and I had to teach them. So, and as a, as a teacher, a trainer, I was really well respected I was found people would book me because I was funny and I got the job done and Mm. people went out having had a good day and people felt they knew what the subject, more about the subject and they they just enjoyed the experience. So I felt very confident working in that world because there's a lot of correlation between performing and being a workshop leader. There's a big crossover. You can entertain people, you know, and and help them learn. So I loved it and I did it for quite a number of years. Stayed in the same organization. I transitioned. So I have, I'm still doing the same job. So I left the job Friday as a man. Monday, I go in as a woman. So my first day of training, I walked in and I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing my training. It's kind of going okay. But very quickly, I realized something was different. And uh, it was coming from some of the men. But suddenly out of nowhere, I was called bossy. (laughs) <laughs> I was just called bossy. Well, welcome then, to our world. <laughs> exactly. And then they continued to call me bossy. Somebody else called me bossy. And it wasn't like shouting me down, but it was very much in the room. So in the end, I said, I'm not bossy. I am the boss. boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we've got to get through this shit. So and then <laughs> I think I've spent the last 20 years feeling like that. And then I think that makes you less nice because... Yes. Men can walk into a room and go, hey, everybody likes me. I'm really good at my job. And, mm. you know, but if they were called the names that we were called or ignored, you know, you can be ignored, you can be talked over, uh, called bossy, you know, all those things. They don't make, you have to use quite a lot of energy to mm. keep your energy up to do your job. It, that's that's absolutely it. It's a lot of energy. And I mean, that begs the question, have you been called a bitch to your face? I want to know this. <laughs> I mean, they'd be quite brave to call me a bitch to my face. It's true. I have I called, been called a bitch? True. Yeah, I have. I've been called a bitch. I've been called a bitch, like, in the street, you know, like, driving really? or 
in the supermarket. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. I have been called a bitch. Yeah. And well, that this is by I say people... that's Miss Bitch to you. <laughs> this is uh, this is by people who did not know that you were transgender. Yeah, they didn't know I was trans. Well, why do they keep calling us a bitch? <laughs> ah, well, um, I don't know. I think I think it's cultural. I think it's a way to like microaggression. It's a way to try and you know we're not revered, are we? We're not we're not called powerful. We're called bossy, or we're called loud, or we're called manipulative. And yeah. I think I think it's the language that's used. Um, I think it's also you know women have not stepped into these roles. For as long as men, we, it's yeah. still not. I mean, and culturally, in different cultures and different, True. we're still quite early on in it. So somebody mm. explained that to me. You know, Shakespeare was around five hundred years ago. Mm. You know, happily writing massive. You know, there you you'd really struggle to find the women who were doing it creative, especially as creatives. Yeah. Mm. You know, our history is quite short, and we were hidden. You know, mm. the achievements yeah. we did have. You know, like Rodin, the sculpture. Apparently, there was a woman behind. Uh, their sculpt, you know, they, we were, they were there. Um, and again, with trans people, again, very hidden. You know, it all feels quite new. And I think we have to take a breath with that and have some hope and optimism that when we establish ourselves more and more and more in the arts, you know, um, then, then that this will you get know, better. Yeah. And I think we have in some art forms, you know, like dance, maybe we excel over men. And, you know, there's certain areas where we've done it but we just need to we need to excel in more like sciences and you know mm. maths and I don't know areas that maybe aren't seen as females so. yeah it's it's interesting because you said um men are called powerful and when I thought about it what women are called even even now it's more oh uh, women are empowered yeah. which means they have been given the power from somewhere or they've taken the power but they're not powerful Mm -hmm. which is interesting so I think I'm going to start calling women powerful instead of empowered yeah because it's um it's it feels better Um, I think the other thing that that is a bit might fit in with that that I've kind of used before is my cake analogy when I talk about male privilege and it's that um I realized when I transitioned that I used to (laughs) I I used to eat a lot I love I used to eat a lot of cake I like, I, I stopped eating cake recently, but I do, I like cake. You know those when they have a whole cake and they divide it up? When you go to the counter, they're never equally divided, are they? There's always a bit that's bigger and smaller. And I remember when I transitioned, I would stand there and I would look at the cake and think, great, there's a nice big bit of cake. And I go, hi, I'll have a piece of that cake, please. And they, as a woman, they would cut, take the small bit. And I would have to say, no, I want the yeah, big the bit. The big one. <laughs> And as a man, I was just, and I think as a man, I was given the big bit. As well, a woman, you have to ask. Yes. And that is um, tiring. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it sits it sits on your yes. hips so fast. <laughs> yeah. And there is that. And then there's this social thing that, oh, feed men up. Men get the bigger dinners. Mm-hmm. Women get the, you know, yeah. I'd walk into a room. When I used to be made a cup of tea or I'd walk into a room, I wouldn't think I was going to be Like, I walk into a room as a woman, as a trainer, as many people go, are you making the tea? Yeah, well, this is the whole problem with double standards. Yeah. So you have the same cake, but a man gets a different part as the woman. And that has to do with, uh, you know, what does the woman want to look like? Or what do yeah. we want her to look like? We want to look her, want her to look like the magazines and all the models in there. So she's not allowed to eat the big piece of cake. <laughs> so and we yeah. give them more and we give women less. 
We give yeah. men more, we give women less, and that is ongoing. You look at any yeah. area of the arts, you know, it's like a pie. And usually, like like in my industry, like in the arts, there's a pie, and most of it is being eaten by old, white, straight men. Yeah. And there is a tiny little bit left for you if you're lucky. But I always say, you know, we even when you, we went and made a little trans pie, cisgendered white men have come along and eaten that. Yeah, they do. You know, Why? It's like, they're greedy. Um, they are greedy, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know I want to talk about men all the time. Sometimes I feel like, you know, men, we've got to, we've got to get them on board and we've got to educate them. We've yeah. got to make them know their privilege. And we've, mm. got to, we've, got to, we've got to support women, actually, because you can mm. spend a lot of time. Like, like I'm designing the house. I have a female project. I have a project manager who's female, Turkish, and I have a really young, I chose a very young female designer for the house. And I I love those meetings when it's me and them and I have a trans boyfriend. uh, When we get together, who are socialized as a woman, you know, let's not forget, it works either way. I have my male Mm. privilege. My partner has a socialized as a female uh, experience. So there's, there's challenges within that, you know, but interesting, they say when they transitioned, People stopped laughing at him and started to listen to him and gave him bigger bits of cake. This is so it. This he had the opposite. So there is an yeah. absolute correlation between people stop laughing. People say, when you're a woman, people laugh at you and they don't listen to you. Yeah. So this is Taylor Blue, right? I've heard in other yeah. podcasts. Yes. So is it is it just that much easier to understand each other because you've both been on the other side of things? I, I yeah, would imagine I it's so. such such a great partnership to be yeah. in. It's perfect. <laughs> and I was really glad that I gave up on cisgendered, you know, non-trans uh, men, straight men. I gave up on them. And I remember saying, I'm not going to go out with another straight cisgendered man ever again in my life. My friends were like, how is that going to work? And I was like, I don't know. And I hadn't met Taylor. And I didn't really have much experience with trans men. And I suddenly found like they were the answer. And whenever my girlfriends were struggling, I like go out with a trans man. Just forget this. We go need to have Taylor on the show. <laughs> he's here. He's in the next room. Yes, bring him in. Bring him in. Taylor. <laughs> it's it's crazy because what you're saying is, so he, he transitioned the other way around. Yeah. And yeah. and he felt this whole privilege come, come on to yeah, him, actually. Yeah. And also, it's like a man's yeah. club. So he also entered the male He's club. He's in the right? man's club. We want to know about the man's club. <laughs> well, the, ma- the main thing to know about the man's club is that they will protect masculinity at all costs. Ooh. So you know before, you know before, if you were driving into a car park and you can't park your car as a woman, <laughs> women drivers, oh. da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Taylor, come here, mate. Let me help you get in that spot. Because they have to protect, they do not want men to be demasculinized. So if you're struggling with, say, putting the money to get your trolley for the supermarket, and normally they go, mm. well, come here, love, oh, bloody women, bloats, here you go, mate, sort it out, come on, get out. Got, yeah. got to keep, it. Got to keep the status quo. I didn't, well, I didn't know, know this. This is so, this Taylor, is Taylor cannot stuff. kick off, though. Taylor cannot kick off. Taylor used to kick off more and argue and scream and shout. Taylor can't now as a man because that's seen as aggressive. So there's some things he's lost. Mm. Oh. You know, he, so when he was unhappy with a woman, he just ordered somebody messed around. The husband came and knocked on the door and nearly killed him. <laughs> so Taylor learned quite quickly. I think as a woman, we wow. have maybe a bit more freedom to be angry and aggressive verbally that's on the street. Whereas I think with men, that mm. would be seen as a 
a five situation. Oh, this is, I love this. <laughs> we are getting all the insider because they don't tell us. I don't even know if they realize. I, I don't think they know it. White they men. don't know it. It's they don't realize it. It's about water. They don't even see it. Child, exactly. Male privilege. It's like, but I want there to be, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in all that, but then I also want to give, like the, the spaces I'm creating with trans creative are to give trans people the same experience. So when mm. you're in that social, it's all trans people. You don't have to mm. defend yourself, uh, look over your shoulder. And there is a freedom. And I want, everybody should have that freedom. It's like women-only spaces are important. Trans-only spaces are important. We need to breathe a little bit more. Yeah. Black-only spaces, mm -hmm. you know, disabled-only space. It's so people can breathe and yeah. not feel like they're answering or subconsciously or consciously having to deal with sexism, transphobia, you know, mm. we're, we're here today, aren't we? We're not, there isn't a man sucking the air out of the room, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's only going to get, it's only going to get, we're only going to get more non-binary and trans and, and, you know, all, all, um, all the minorities are only going to get bigger. Uh, so, yeah. so we need, we absolutely yeah. need to well, create spaces to show that they won't, they're not minorities, you know, they are in the minority. And, and how how and else do you want me to explain? Yeah, it's true. No, it's true. But you're, I think what you're saying is they're not going to be minorities, you know, and no. I think, yeah. I think it, I think it's sad that trans people kind of came along in a way they could have freed everybody up mm -hmm. from their gender binary. Because masculinity True. is yeah. not working. The way women are, 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 have to exist in the world is not working. No. You know, we know that like, like femininity, masculinity, they don't work. They, they, mm. they don't work. And I think there is another, there is something else. And I feel like trans, the trans kind of version of that is much more interesting and liberating for me. And I think right. I want people to get to the point where they're like, God, I wish I was trans. <laughs> Well, yes, but I did the I did the game with the trans name. Oh yeah, and I did. Oh yes, it's it's. Should it's, we explain it? Should we explain it? Yeah, explain. explain it. I yes. don't know what it is. I just literally made it up because I was doing a show called You've Changed, and and I like to have fun with the audience. I feel there's some real power in humor, so I use humor quite a lot because while you're being funny, you can get so much across and people are relaxed and they're more able to receive it and I I, I loved Kate Bush growing up I was obsessed I was in mm. Kate Bush fan club and I was about 14 when their album when their first song came out with her in heights I was just wow literally wow to quote one of their songs um, and I made up this system that I thought if you want to find your trans name find whatever gender you're moving into or non-binary name that fits find a, your favorite singer in that gender Take their first name, so mine was Kate, and then add your mother's maiden name. And my mother's maiden name was O'Donnell. So I changed my name to Kate O'Donnell. And I created like it was a formula, but you get brilliant names like Prince Smith and, <laughs> you know, a lot of Davids a few years ago when Dave Barry died. But what my, was yours? Mine is Freddie Gore. <laughs> Freddie Gore's great. Oh, my God, that's perfect because that sounds like rock and roll, doesn't it? It does, but it I, does, yeah. it, I, when I think about it, you know, because you were saying everybody needs to be trans and then yeah. you, you kind of think about, you know, what would it be like? And I just, I just realized I'm, I'm very happy as a woman. I really yeah. don't want to be a man. No, no. 
So, but trans feels like something different to me because I don't call myself a trans woman. I call myself trans because okay. I feel like I kind of failed at being a man. I failed at. Be- I think I'm trans femme. If anything, I feel I'm <laughs> trans femme. I like getting trans in there, but I feel mm. like I failed as being a man, failed at being a woman. But I really, I as tra- as a trans person, I feel that's the destination. Because I haven't had your, I will never be the, I will always feel like a lot of women feel like they're going to fail. And I think we have to find our own version of our gender. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not careful, you will find somebody else's version mm-hmm. of your yes. gender. That's, you and that's why it's important to be visible so that people yeah. who are younger and finding themselves can, yeah. can exactly, yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about and, this on other cat. episodes. You can be kick-ass and be trans. I like people to feel like you can be a bitch, you can be angry, you can be a rock. You know, you can be messy, you can be whatever. You don't have to be like, oh, they're trans and they're so beautiful. They look just like a woman. I mean, that pains me. It well, pains you have to be me. yourself in the end. That's the whole well, point. To yeah, be yourself. yourself. But it's this thing of, oh, they look so much like a woman, therefore you're okay. It's like, imagine somebody saying to you, oh, you look so much like a woman. You'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> what does that mean? Imagine someone said, oh, it's so nice. You look so much like, well done. You'd be like, well done. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, why is it so important for the transgender community? This is a question that I had. I'm sorry. I'm like. Do I sound happy. really angry and mad? No, you don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at I all. I sound like a bitch. <laughs> I mean, we've all been called uh, such a bitch. That's why we started this That's podcast, nice. really, because yeah. we were like, um, if if being an assertive, um, powerful yeah. person um, yeah. in a female um, form means that I'm a bitch, then I'm going to be such a bitch. I'm going to so own it. That, that was yeah. yeah, that was kind of yeah. the premise of the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I I wanted to know why it's so important for the transgender community. I think you've answered this already, but you know, yeah. to have everyone know that you're a trans person, it just yeah. seems, you know, it, from a very um, naive standpoint, it, it seems to me that the identity of the new gender is therefore not taken on fully. When you know, in a lot of people think that that's the ultimate goal, but it's not yeah. because it's not. Right. It's it's no. not that black and white, is it? No. And, and my ultimate goal is not for people to think I'm a cisgendered woman. That isn't my goal. I've mm. had that goal, and it was really miserable mm-hmm. and really dark. No offense, but passing as a cisgendered white straight woman was fucking miserable and dark, and I don't want to go there. I am much more excited by being seen as what, what being an out trans person it keep, it, I feel much more alive. I feel me. I'm a queer. You know, I lived as a gay man. Not many cisgendered white women lived as a gay man. You know, I've had so many different experiences. It just When people say, like, literally, I think I've said this before, when I transitioned, because I was late 30s, people would, these are the two questions that would come about, I would say, within the first meeting, usually. Are you married, seriously? And do you have children? Yes, we get that a lot. And also, and I think what happens is we get it a lot, and we—I know you get a lot, but, but because I've never had that as a gay man, you'll no. never ask if you've got children. People think you're a paedophile. Marriage has only just come in; it was never on the cards, so it doesn't get asked. So now I say to people, "You can you can ask me that when you've asked five men that same question. Mm. Go and ask five men: Are you married? And do you have children? Then you can ask me, or yeah. think of a better question." 
to ask. Yeah. I always get asked, and why don't you have children? Oh, and then that's next. So you feel like that's when I started to feel like I've done all this and I've failed. So I'm going to leave that cisgendered straight world behind. Step, nobody asked me if I'm married or got kids. Well, to nobody be fair, asked me. To be fair, like, um, if well that's probably not the only reason but if that's one of the reasons why you say you failed as a cisgendered woman then we've all failed and we've all failed yeah, it doesn't work exactly. and that's and that to breed to marry and to breed i'm like wow have we not only just come out of the cave yeah no we have not yet not yet and and really? that's, that's one of the things that you know is are there things that women have to deal with regularly that you were unaware of until after everything, your dress. Everything, everything. Everything. And that's what's worn me out. I am tired. I am worn out. Being a woman is fucking hard work. It's the it toughest gig I ever attempted role I ever attempted to play. So and I, I I I have I have I have I my sisters are vital to my life. But I had no understanding when I was living as a man what their experience was. And I still don't because I transitioned very late in life. I was not a 14-year-old girl being touched up by their family members. I didn't have that. Mm. Taylor did. Taylor did. Sexualized from the minute you were very young, you know, as a girl. Mm. So I, I feel like the whole, I didn't even touch that. Weirdly, I was sexually abused at 16, actually, but it was, it's a very different situation. But I think, I think the, the way we sexualize people is men are never boys and not sexualized in, in the same way that girls sexualized. the pressures on women to be nice are so i don't think boys are ever expected to be nice no. you know so i don't feel like i am a woman in that sense but i feel i am very trans and i'm very femme and i'm very queer mm, and yeah. i if i had to be in a room full of people it would be women i am a girl's girl do you know what i mean i love women and i support women and i always have but I think I didn't really understand what sexism was until I transitioned. Um, I have no idea. You have no idea. And I think even, oh yeah, you just it's just it's just relentless. It's relentless. And I I feel like that's why I'm really glad that I've always had my sisters back. You know, I'm very proud of that. But I've got it. I've got it on a deeper level now. Like I give them the jobs. Like with my team that I'm building the house with, it's yeah. women. And if I could find some female builders here, I would have women builders and plumbers. Mm. I would. I do that in England. I look uh, for Turkey, women. maybe not. <laughs> I don't know not if so they much. exist yet. <laughs> but I would say Turkey is a matriarchy. I feel like women are running the show. Really? Oh, then I, that... I feel that culturally. I feel like mm. they have the power. They are. It centers around the women. The, the, and the end. I, I feel that there might be the men on the street kind of you know thinking then yeah. in charge thinking <laughs> but I, I i feel there's a different maybe that's the same in greece there's a there's a matriarch yeah well power, greece power I, that women have. I, for, for the for the listeners i um you know we we had a conversation before we started uh, the show uh i grew up in greece and actually kate is uh living in turkey right now so uh two countries very close to each other i would i would not say that greece is a matriarchy so much um 
you know, the the men are the the straight men are very uh, macho and uh, maybe a, a bit like in Italy as well. You know, it's, it's yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Italian, very, much, very yeah. macho. But um, but still, they uh, Micah sent me a, a video recently, and apparently they have a female president now. So they're much less inclined to say, oh no, you know, we cannot vote um, a, a female into into this position. Uh, whereas in Belgium, I would think you know is is a, a more uh, modern country and and yeah. uh, you know is 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 further in that but we uh, to be fair we just had a prime minister during the covid era because we we i don't know in belgium we go to vote and then the government just not does not get formed so we've had this we 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 haven't had a government right. for like three years and but we had to have a government during the covid crisis to decide stuff yeah. so they quickly put in this female prime minister and we we've just you know for the crisis and we've never had that obviously she wasn't voted in um and now that that uh, transitional government has gone away we have a male prime minister again and to be honest i don't really see a female prime minister in belgium for the coming decade maybe and whereas in Greece they've been able to do this and there's a, a, a female president so well I mean in, in, in Germany we've had Angela Merkel for yeah. 16 years now so she's stepping down yeah. Um, yeah. but I'm really sad that yeah. she's stepping down because I seen mean women other... in Covid they've been amazing haven't they yeah. the women I mean New Zealand yeah. Australia, I mean they've just been so I mean well done then you know, Angela Merkel being one of them. You know. Yeah. 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 The whole of Europe is sad that she's. Nicholas Sturgeon in Scotland, you know, just honest. You believe them, you trust them. They, I don't know, they're listening to the advice, yeah. they're responding mm -hmm. to it. There's less toxic masculinity. I mean, Trump and Boris Johnson, we have, I mean, if ever you want examples of toxic masculinity, that's where it can end up. Oh, that's, yeah. Trump yeah. is where Trump is like the pinnacle of toxic masculinity. Yeah, and it's the point where you literally are overthrowing the White House and think you can get away. I mean, it's amazing yeah. the privilege. I mean, if ever you if you want to see privilege, you know, I'm trying to see a woman attempting that though. A black woman attempting it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It'd be like it'd be like imagine what 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 ridicule. You know, you can just imagine yeah. the net. I mean, bitch wouldn't even come near it. Exactly, and. and would you, if you had known all of this, you know, how much we are yeah. oppressed, basically, and all the sexism yeah. that we have to deal with every day, would you still have transitioned yeah. if you knew this beforehand? Well, I don't, yes. I don't feel like I did transition. I felt like, like I said, I think I was trans from the off. Always, and I think yeah. I have, yeah. And I think, I think I probably missed a few, you know, if I'd been born a cisgendered woman, I think my life would have been very different. But I think I, you know, I look at my sister... I look at her experience and I can really feel like it kind of, it gave me a freedom, my queerness and my transness and my, you know, I had a lot of shit to deal with on the street. Yeah, you know, you being a young a queer, you, you know, you have to really, it wasn't, I definitely had my share. I had stuff that you wouldn't have experienced, like as a gay man in the 80s or mm -hmm. a feminine little boy. To be a really feminine little boy is very, you're very vulnerable as well. I mean, I, I think it's a different vulnerability, but I think it has, it has crossovers with the experiences of girls and being yeah. younger. I have more connection, I think, with, with, with girls' experience. But there's also, 
there are collective experiences and then there are individual experiences, aren't there, in, with everybody. And we, we're three white people. And I think if you had three black uh, people here, a black woman and two amazing black singers who were presented, you know, they might have have a different experience again. And, yeah, uh, true. I think, yeah. I think it's really about, we just know in our hearts, I think, that some people just don't get invited to the table. And when they do, it's a really, for me, I'm an Aquarium, so I like change and I like the future. So I'm always very frustrated with now. I'm like, you know, Kamala Harris. I'm very excited about Kamala Harris. Oh, yeah, you know, me too. Mm -hmm. So you know, your birthday is coming up. Yes. Ah, mine too. Yeah, Good. It? Aquarius, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, very like, the current president is quite, is quite old. And I think Kamala Harris looks like she might run. You know, I'm just, I don't know. I don't want anyone to die. So a black woman gets a gig. But <laughs> I'm like, yeah. it's getting, I really, I, I just love that. I get so excited by that. And I think with the Trump stuff, I just click out. Mm. I just click out. And when it all gets like that, I'm like, I've no interest. I find it abhorrent. I find it depressing. When will it end? And then when some exciting comes on, I click back in. That's very yeah. me. And I'm like championing, you know, championing women, championing people of color, championing trans people, championing disabled people. Like, when can we see just more? Let's see the richness. I think sometimes it's not a male-female thing. I think it can be a class thing. It can be a race thing. You know, if we had a load of working class uh, young men, black men, I think we might have a different world. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think it's not always about gender as well yeah. um, I think it's good to look beyond that there's a lot of the, the things that come into play yeah I just have uh, one more question for you yeah. um, which um, well basically is a lot of people um, like prominent people um, are transitioning well not a lot but you see prominent people transitioning they're in the limelight so you yes. see the transition yeah. um, but I was thinking is that does that have a more positive or a more negative effect on like the kind of average person who's not a performer um who is uh, who identifies as trans um mm. do they th think they can they they feel more like permission to transition or do they maybe think I would hope this so. is a performer I would hope so who is it recently L L uh, American oh no I feel terrible now I can't remember the name <laughs> Um, are they now called Elliot? I'm actually trying to Google it now. Uh, In Belgium, but, we have a couple of prominent people that uh, are changing or have changed very recently. Um, yes, Elliot, Elliot Page. So, Elliot Page uh, uh, recently transitioned and um, before they were a lesbian. Um, and I feel like they're very cool do you know what I mean? They're young, they're cool, they've got a great following. I feel like that's probably really, they've been very celebrated in our community. Mm -hmm. I think um, Caitlyn Jenner was, I mean, I still celebrated that because I love the, yeah. I love the fact that America's most revered athlete, transit. I still love that and part of the Kardashian thing. I kind of love the messed upness of that. But yeah. It really messed with America and I love that. I think it kind of did, a, it was this idea that people could instantly transition, you know, ping, and you're this glamorous woman. I think that mm. did not help a lot of trans people because I think right. that put pressure on people to think this is this is how you transition, right? You know what I mean? It might be the word on the street, might put the pressure on an older trans person who wants to transition from male to female. 
suddenly feels like you ain't no Caitlyn Jenner. You know, it mm. could be that pressure. Right, yeah. I think the more diverse we see, it's always healthier. Yeah. You know, like Laverne Cox, very positive, yes. very smart, yes. very successful, um, beautiful speaker, great performer, you know, very inspiring. I think those are great. And I think they've got to help pose, the cast of Pose, you know, young black trans people being given prime time slots. It, it, it's got to help. I feel it's, if I had that, to be honest, I had Nadia who won Big Brother. So Nadia won British Big Brother. And that was in 2003 when I was just transitioning. And the fact that that was voted by the public really gave me a lot of hope that they won this massive, um, what do they call them? Reality TV program. Yeah. You know, yeah. a trans person won that. And right. nobody in the house knew they were trans, but they, people outside knew everything about their transness. Huh. And they huh. won. And That's another good. trans. And I, I felt that, that, that the timing of that was perfect. And I've had people transition on stage after my shows to their parents. You know, wow. so I know that I know that art can create social change and visibility can create, so you know, mm. positive visibility can be very good. But on the other side, if it's negative and press can take hold of stories and twist them and see the negative, that can also cause quite a lot of harm and damage. Mm. You know, so I think it's uh, I'd say on the whole, it's positive. And I think people who are brave enough to do that publicly and put themselves out there, it's not an easy task. You know, um, we had an event last night where somebody Zoom bombed our event and loaded transphobia and it was very wow. difficult. You know, we can't pretend it's not a scary place out there for trans people. Oh, yeah. And and I live, well, I live in Belgium, as you know, and it was recently on the news that there is uh, like an 18-month waiting list for people who want to transition because there's not enough places available where this can be done. So here there's only one institute in Ghent, uh, and there's like a definite need for more centers like this. So you transitioned 20 years ago nearly. It, it must yeah. have not been very common back then to no. find a good place. So yeah. how... How did you find the right people well, to help you with this? I was lucky that somebody who I worked with transitioned. And I think if they hadn't transitioned, I don't know if I would have done. Because there wasn't really much known. It was very negative and it was very, it wasn't an aspirational thing to be. You did not want to be trans unless you really were trans. Yeah. There was nothing culturally. There was no culture, no arts, no personalities, no music. There wasn't anything that represented that positively. It was very much like you're going to have to run away and hide and burn all your pictures mm. and disappear and maybe you know just keep your head down so i was very lucky somebody transitioned and they literally wrote me a list and i still got that list written in hand and i made a whole show about it called you've changed and i photocopied this list and i handed it out to every member of the audience at the end and it was so fragile 20 years ago it was so the internet wasn't brilliant 20 years ago, can I just say? So you didn't have great resources on the internet. You had very strange forums and mm, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't it was great. Weird. So you were on your own basically and you were pretty much had to work it out yourself and you were very much at the mercy of who came into your life who was trans. And uh, I went private because the waiting lists were long back then. They've not got any better here in the UK. Mm. And you were very limited and you felt like, you know, take it or leave it. Mm. So I, I remortgaged my house. And I told the mortgage people it was for home improvement. So uh, that's how I remortgaged. Um, that's how I got the money and I went private. And I don't regret that. But also back then, it was very much like, okay, 
So you need to have hormones, go and see a voice therapist, go and have gender reassignment surgery. Now, that is not the process. So many people don't have gender reassignment surgery. They'd rather go and join a rock band, dye their hair and have piercings and tattoos. That's how they show their gender. And that is much more... I love that. I respect people who have surgery, but I think now, I think I might have still had my surgeries, but I think I might have had a, 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 a better understanding of why I was having them. I uh, felt like that was just right. what you had to do. Okay. In order for me to be trans, mm. I wasn't allowed to be trans. Go and have some facial surgery, breast surgery, gender reassignment surgery, do this, do this, do this. There was never like, maybe you could just be your version of a woman. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, I feel like I've come back to it. I've got short blue hair I'm queerer uh, my clothes can be like from high femme to boyish you know I feel much I feel much freer and I might yes. I might change some of my surgeries I might get I might have my breasts removed you know so I'm more androgynous and you know I think I think it's uh it's an evolution of what I did what I did back then and why I did it was it so I wouldn't get beaten up on the street huh. yeah. really well, well- yeah, I heard you say on the Guilty Feminist podcast by uh, Deborah Francis White, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. that you realized that all you were talking about this and you realized that all the people involved in your transition were men. And were men. have you been able to think about that a little more? I mean, should, should the people transitioning you into a female also yeah. be female and the opposite for trans males? Than I being think it's much males? healthier. I think, but now there are more support. There are clinics where that's much more represented. If I walked into some like Clinic Q in, in uh, London who do brilliant work with trans communities, I mm. go in touch with them. The first person I met when I walked into door was literally a trans woman who was my age, who was doing my bloods and counseling me. And I was like, wow. And that's the first time I actually spoke more openly about my body. And I, I think within that, half hour session I understood more about my gender reassignment surgery and my vagina than I've ever been taught by a male doctor who did the <laughs> surgery you know I understood mm-hmm. the, the the makeup of it and, and in terms of um yeah just just how that works biologically how it works physically you know how different that is to a cisgendered um vagina you know and I didn't know that and I was never shown that They sell you the myth, you know, the doctor's mm. surgeons want to take them in and go, now, go away, you have a vagina. It's like, yeah, actually, it's not. It's yeah. not not what, what you know, ours is, ours is something different. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, th- I think the more we can have, the closer you are to the source, the better. Always in life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The nearer you are. Like, if you yeah. were trying to sell, like, you're both musicians. If you were trying to talk to a theatre director, you might get about a new piece of music you're writing, and then we put you with, a female musician who's been right for you, you'd be like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You know, I'm sure that the, the director might have some idea, a male director who just have a bit of music in his shows, but if you put you in front of a female composer and writer, you'd be like, yes. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're still involved in the entertainment world, but it, yeah. it could be, um, you know. Yeah. I, I just have one last question because we've we've gone on for hours. Let's wrap it up I soon. Um, yeah. I, we just think it's so interesting. So we're like, yes, more information. Um, what can we expect from you and Trans Creative UK post COVID? Will your festival ah. start up again? Ca- can we come? Um, yeah. Well, you can come online. I mean, at the moment, if you go to transcreative.uk, our last festival and all our events are online. And so, in a way, we've brought brought we've, brought, we've managed to reach this massive audience. Fifteen thousand people came to our last festival. 
So, and that's much more than it would live. We want to have a mix now. I think it's going to be a hybrid of live and digital. I think digital won't go away because we've created spaces for trans people all around the world and that feel, who don't feel safe to go out to theatres, who theatres and cinemas and arts venues or event venues, they're not for them. I feel like there's more of a dialogue. The trans socials, I think, have inspired creating a solely trans-only space have inspired me to do trans-only live events. So I definitely think that will be happening. Um, I think the festival will carry on and it will get stronger. And it might I'm, I might stepping aside because I'm very interested in who else needs to come in and take that space and curate. And I'm very interested in that. I'd like to do more writing personally. I feel there's gaps in theatre and television and film. So I mm -hmm. feel like, and literature. So I think, I think I'm very drawn to that because it's quite tiring, you know, as performers, touring around the country. I haven't missed that so much. I mean, just before lockdown, I was in Gypsy and I did 71 shows over Christmas Ooh, and New Year. Wow. So wow. I was, I, you can't sustain it. I love it, but it's hard work. I like directing as well. So I think maybe they'll, I'll still maybe do some performing if the right part comes along. But um, no, trans, trans. Creative is going to keep going. We're getting more. I think it'd be nice to establish us as a, in England, we have like more established companies that are funded long term. Mm -hmm. So my aim is that we can have that relax and get a proper team. So be playing with the big yeah. boys, if you like. Ooh, At the yes. moment, we're still like the poor cousin. And I think give us an equal standing, then it, it, we, we can grow a little bit more as well. Yeah. Because, you know, trans work's really interesting and nuanced and uh, vibrant and, and and needs more nurturing really but it's amazing now if I want to book if I had to book a gig tomorrow I could pick up the phone to 50 artists five six years ago I would not have, I wouldn't know where to find them and some of them have come about because of the work we've done you know they we've generated we have technicians who are trans behind the scenes you know trans lighting people trans digital technicians <laughs> we're trying to develop those jobs you know we want a trans family That's good. Because a bit like yeah. having a female family yeah. it, it's liberating yeah. isn't it very, very. Um, well, we want to thank you for coming on the show. Is there any place that our listeners need to go uh, to follow you? Uh, where you know, yeah. please plug. We're very simple. Transcreative.uk. All our social medias. If you want to follow me, it's Kate O'Donnell uh, X on Twitter. Kate O'Donnell presents on Instagram. Um, yeah, come and come and say hi. And if you're trans, you know, I don't know how far the reach is, but we're international, so. Come and, come and find us. Awesome. We'll, we'll leave those in the show notes joy. as well. Yeah, yes, we'll, we'll, we will put definitely leave notes. those in the show notes. So um, I guess that's all for today. Um, thank you for tuning into Unboxing Women. Thank you, thank for, you. for being here. And um, be sure to connect with us on our socials, which you can find in the show notes. Send us a DM and uh, let us know about your experiences with having been called such a bitch. Um, <laughs> So again, all of the links to Kate's info will be in the show notes. Be sure to check that out as well. And uh, join the movement and let's make some changes around here. Don't forget to support your favorite artist throughout this wonderful pandemic. And uh, <laughs> yeah, my name is Micah Rose. I've been chatting with Donna Rex and our wonderful guest Kate, Kate O'Donnell. Um, this is a bi-weekly show and we will be back for you all in two weeks time. Same time, same place. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.